Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, women's empowerment coach, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Ashley. Ashley was born with a fire in her spirit that shows up in everything she does, including her curly red hair. She spent years building her legal career, and when it came to time to have children, she was eager to find a community of moms she could relate to. But what she found didn't quite work for her. She felt out a place where her worlds of work and life couldn't coexist. Desperately searching for a space to be fully her, she came up empty-handed. So she drew on her fiery passion and created Mommies Hiring Mommies, a community all about and for moms doing it all. And isn't that the truth? I mean, moms, really, we have so much on our plate. (laughs) It is so true. And I do have to share, we're so excited because we actually recently rebranded as of Friday. Ooh. So we we have been Mommies Hiring Mommies for three and a half years, and it was a powerful, intimate community that served over 9,000 women nationwide. But we actually, as of Friday, because we are serving on a higher and larger scale and doing more than we've ever done, we actually just rebranded to Mompire. So I'm super excited. Yeah, Mompire. So we're all about helping moms build their empires for their families, for themselves, and for what they're all all passionate about. So that's really exciting for us. But yes, we are so grateful. And moms, we, we do so many things and we need to have the opportunity to be authentically ourselves. And authentically yourself is not just who you are as a mom or compartmentalized who you are as a person or who you are as a business owner or an employee. It's who you are. And I really needed a space where I could be who I was. And I did feel empty handed. I did, I did come up short and I kept feeling out of place. And so creating this community three and a half years ago and now really transitioning and taking it to a much uh, higher level has been really a ton of fun. So it's, it's an exciting journey for sure. That is, that is really exciting. And I feel like, you know, I tell people I've done all the things. I have been a working mom. I have been a stay at home mom. I've been a work from home mom. Now I'm a like full-time student mom ish. I don't really know what's going on here, but it's, it's all of it's difficult in its own right. And I really don't like, you know, the mommy comparison, like I have it harder than you. And I'm like, Oh, we all have it hard. Okay. Raising children is a lot of work. So I want to have you take us back to when you were in your legal career and you decided to have children. What were your expectations of that? You know, mm-hmm. all of those things, like, how did you think, how did you feel like that was all going to go about? Like, you know, a lot of times you have these big lofty dreams when I have children, it's going to be or even like birth plans that never go the way oh we my plan, gosh. right? And so yeah. share with us how that was for you. So I, I have to take it back even a step further. So I was actually raised by my mom and my stepdad. So my stepdad was actually my mom's high school sweetheart, but they reunited when I was four, got married and moved us to Sacramento, California. And so my stepdad is an attorney. That's my only dad. So my dad raised me. I, I worked in his law firm uh, growing up. He had his own practice. And I just, I'm, I'm really, really close to my stepdad, my dad. And I always just you know, we had similar interests. We had, we just had so much fun together. I was really close to my mom too, but she was employed at the state and 
there wasn't an opportunity for me to engage in her business the way there was with my dad. And so I would go to his law office. I started working there when I was 11 years old. And I just always had this dream that I was going to become an attorney. In fact, when I was younger, I had a relationship with my real dad. And I remember very distinctly at about 12 or 13 years old, being at his house and saying, and my mom was there and we were talking on his back porch. And I was saying, you know, when I grow up, I I really want to become an attorney. And he laughed at me and said, women don't do that. Oh no. And it was devastating, but I'm blessed enough that I had a really strong mom and a really strong stepdad, dad, who always instilled in me that you can have what you want. All you have to do is work for it. Mm-hmm. And so became, I became truly hellbent on becoming an attorney. It was my, my vision, my path. And then that just fired me up even more. So I always knew that I was going to go down that road and what it looked like. And then I traveled and I did a lot while I was in college. I lived in different places and I came back. And I took two years off after college just to make sure I was starting to have these concerns. Like what if law is the only thing I've ever known? Mm-hmm. And so I, I took this break and I took two years off and I met my husband actually, cause my mom st- decided to go to law school at 42. So my mom, while I was in college was going to law school almost simultaneously. We were just off by one year. That so I graduated. So yeah, I graduated and she had one year left to finish. And in that summer, between her third and fourth year of law school, I met my husband, who was one of her classmates. Oh my goodness. Yeah, they had been really good friends for three years before we ever met. He was friends with my mom, friends with my dad. We didn't know each other. Um, We met and there was like this instant connection. Anyway, so I had taken this time off, but then the law never seemed to leave. Like then my mom went to law school, then my boyfriend was graduating law school and taking the bar. I was like, you know what? It is what I want to do. So I went to law school. So I went to law school. I worked for a firm, terrible experience, but it taught me so much about what I did and didn't want in my life and practice. And I knew I wanted to have kids. And I distinctly remember, and this is not uncommon in the legal field, and it's devastating for women who want to have families. But I distinctly remember one of our secretaries being pregnant and literally all of the attorneys, including the female attorneys, making fun of her. Oh no. Oh, look at that waddle. Oh, look at you, olive oil with your little belly in front, all this. And they would just make jokes all the time. And I knew that I never wanted to be in an environment like that when I had kids. And so um, I had, while I was in law school, I started an organizational and efficiency consulting company. And I ran that all through law school, after law school. And then when I became an attorney, I sold that business and started practicing full-time for myself with, and I'm fortunate enough because not many people can start their own practice right out of law school, but with my dad, my husband, my father-in-law, my mother, my aunt, everybody in my family's attorneys, it was really supported and easy to do, I would say. So I started my own practice and um, we actually decided to try for kids when I was taking the bar exam. So I was eight months pregnant taking the bar exam. And actually my son was born on May 11th. And I think I was sworn in as an attorney on like May, May 18th, it was a week to the day. So one, I was holding a one week old baby trying to fit into suits, like my clothes that fit pre-pregnant right. <laughs> and getting sworn in in the court as an attorney. It was really funny. But um, when I became an attorney, I never imagined uh, that having kids and balancing everything would be so hard. But I think what was really interesting is um, you have a lot of control But I think being the timing of when we had kids was not easy. So I had my first son eight or seven days later, got sworn in as as an attorney, uh, start, had started my practice. Um, and then 
six months later found out I was pregnant with my second. Oh, my, my husband, goodness. my husband gave notice to his corporate firm he was working for on a Monday. And on Wednesday, we found out we were pregnant with our second. So it was like a whirlwind and we were going into a joint practice. And, um, so what I really learned is that the law is not really crafted for moms. Sadly, I'm part of a, a law mom group and it's devastating to watch these women who say they go to work, you know, at 7am and they get home at 8pm. They never see their kids. They have no time for their health, no time for their wellness, no time for themselves, no time for their spouse. And at the end of the day, they're driving themselves ragged to fulfill whatever this, this thing is they want to fulfill by being an attorney. Or maybe at this point it's paying off law school debt. Cause a lot of people walk out with a couple hundred thousand dollars in law school debt. Mm -hmm. And I looked at our life and I looked at my husband and said, you know, if we're going to do this, we need to do it better. But the reality is we were transitioning from doing it to doing it better after we had the kids. So we were running our practice, had two young kids. Uh, mommy's hiring mommy somehow got birthed in the middle of all of that. I started it one month before my second son was born. And we just looked at each other and said, you know, we have complete control. If we're going to do this, we need to do it better. And what are we going to do? And we started making a lot of incremental changes. And, you know, for women listening, when you're in a place where things aren't working, sometimes it can seem like this really daunting task to try to fix or improve or change things to make them better. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's all about making incremental changes. And you're just going to start evaluating from, you know, what's really not working. What, what just feels wrong. That's kind of my gauge for everything is how does something feel and I think um, if you don't know who Brandy Salazar is, she's a good friend of mine, but she's big on this. It's how do you feel in our society, in our culture? I think we get away from feeling and we get so focused on doing that we never really stop to evaluate like, does this feel good? Does this feel right? So we really started evaluating our life and how we were doing parenthood and running our law practice and fulfilling our roles as lawyers and parents and spouses and all these things. And we started saying like, what doesn't feel good? And what started not feeling good was the pressures we put on both of us at the office to perform this ungodly amount of legal work. And we put both the pressure on both of us because my husband's very much, he would not call himself a feminist, but he's a very progressive conservative <laughs> when it comes to uh, like male and female relationships. Mm -hmm. He very much, I'm going to empower you because you're my wife and you're amazing. I want you to do all the womanly things that you want to do. And at the same time, um, He's very traditional in the sense that he likes to be uh, the head and the supporter and like the foundation of things. So um, I'm very lucky in that way. But he, we really looked at things and were like, okay, we're requiring both of us to show up every day at this ungodly level at the office. Then at home, we're both saying we're equal parents. We're going to do all the things. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to both, 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 both through and through every aspect of our life. And at some point we sat down and said, you know, this is really hard. It's really exhausting for us. Could we adjust this to make it better? And what started feeling better uh, was me stepping back from lawyering as much as he was and saying, hey, you know, I am more inclined to handle the household things and make sure kids get to doctor's appointments and coordinate the school schedules and all of that. What if I, what if we put me at the head of our family life and put you as the head of the office life? And so we started making these incremental changes and it was such a massive transformation for our family. We were able to do more. We were less stressed. We had more time with our kids and all of that. And eventually we're to a point now where anytime a kid is sick, I can easily take a day off 
we've gained so much control that there's really no excuse for anything. Tonight, for example, normally I'm not at the office at this time. Normally I would be picking the kids up and heading home and starting dinner and he'd be finishing up and meeting me at home. But now the way we have it set up, I could tell him, Hey babe, I have a podcast interview that I, you know, it's very important to me. Let's swap. And so he can then flip and fill in what my normal role is. But it was a lot about setting roles and establishing desires and how we feel about things. And it's such a massive transformation. So practicing and being a mom, practicing law and being a mom is not easy. It's, you know, a lot of pressure. You risk your license every day if you don't perform. So that's, I mean, the reality of being a licensed professional is that every day, if you don't perform and do your job right and do it well, you risk your ability to continue doing that job. Mm -hmm. So it's been really nice to make the shift to allow for more balance and like truly living and having space for that. Yeah. I like how that you, you said that you and your husband had to break down your roles and, you know, sometimes people, women don't want to hear this because we're empowered and we're excited. Right. And we're like, we want equality. And that's absolutely true. Like it's okay if the guy wanted to be the head of the household and the woman is the, you know, Mm -hmm. breadwinner. It's okay. But we have to sit down with our spouses and make it really clear. Like, what is each other's roles? What can I expect from you? My husband is also a very progressive conservative and likes being the one that is, you know, he's an active duty military. He loves being Mm -hmm. the one that, you know, is providing for the family, but he also empowers me to chase my own dreams. I mean, we've talked about, well, I'm pursuing a uh, PhD in psychology and what happens when he's no longer in the military and I have this licensure as a psychologist what's going to happen. And we've talked about like, maybe our roles will have to shift because I may be making more money and have more, um, more responsibilities than he'll have. Yeah. So I'm giving you a virtual high five right? because thinking ahead to that is so important because, and I'm, I'm going to encourage the women listening, you know, there are times like my husband's one of nine children. He comes from a very conservative family, but even in that family, there have been two stay at home dads. His brother and his brother-in-law at different points have been stay-at-home dads. Just because you're conservative and believe in women empowerment doesn't mean you can't empower your wife to have a lead role at some point. And then in the reverse, you know, maybe take a different lead role. I think we're all leading in different ways. And so it is really nice when at the end of the day, it's not about what does a man do and what does a woman do? It's how does it fit in your family? Mm-hmm. How, do, how does that work for you? How does it make your spouse feel, feel being in that position? And really at the end of the day, their positions, their jobs, you know, taking care of kids, keeping kids alive, making sure everybody, nobody's pooped their pants, that everybody has food in their bellies and that, you know, there's some kind of semblance of a bedtime routine. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a job, you know, it's a job that we love, but it's a job. There's tasks, there's, you know, obligations. And so making sure everybody feels good and fits is so true. And I'm, I'm so celebrating you right now because when your husband retires out of the military, that is a very real possibility that being a psychologist, you will have that shift. Yeah. And, and he's, and he's absorbed that and realizes it might happen, uh, which it can be a little difficult because he's like, I like being the sole provider of the family. I'm like, yeah, but don't yeah. you, couldn't you use a couple years off after being in the military <laughs> for over 20 years? Like that's not going to hurt anybody. Our kids are going to be older. They're all going to be teenagers by that time. Like everything's done anyways. But when we first got married, um, I already had two children and we talked about having more children and we decided what would be best. What did I want to do? I'd never been a stay at home mom. So I wanted to try mm-hmm. that out. 
Um, yeah. it, it didn't work out well for me. I didn't really like it, <laughs> but we, I got to try it out. And we sat down and we discovered what roles would be best. And we continue to reevaluate that all the time as my roles mm-hmm. change, as his roles change. You just got a promotion. So he's, yes. his roles have changed a little bit. So I really wanted to drive that home for everybody so they can know, like, just because even if you are a feminist and you're pro equality and you're like, women should women should be paid as much as men and we should be able to do all the things yeah. we do. That's okay. You could feel that way, but still be the one that takes on the role of taking care of the kids or whatever. It's whatever works great and mm-hmm. best for your family. And I'm so yes. happy that you found that too. Where do you think? I, I, though I do have to say, I, keep your question because I do have okay. to say it required a massive gut check for me. It really, it really did because it, it truly caused me to check my ego because being an attorney is such an identity to me or it was an identity to me. Um, even transitioning from lawyering into running Mompire, people ask me what I do. I, as an attorney, I can just say, Oh, I'm an attorney. And people automatically have this recognition. Like, Oh, you're an attorney. That's really cool. Da, da, da. They have follow-up questions to that. When you say I run Mompire, people are like, what is that? <laughs> what are you doing? Huh? I don't understand. Like what? So even shifting to where I was taking more of a, I would say a backseat at the office. There was some conflict in that transition between my husband and I, because I wasn't used to not being as assertive right. and I wasn't used to letting him lead as much. And then in the same at home, he forgot to show any gratitude for the massive takeover I took for our life. And he would recognize how, how streamlined things were and how enjoyable what things were and how much space we had found, honestly, but he would forget to stop and just show gratitude and say thank you and verbally acknowledge me or anything really right. <laughs> for, for that transition. So it took a big ego check for women out there. I mean, I'm about as driven as they come and it was very, very hard to make that transition. But now, oh my gosh, when I sit down and journal sometimes, I am like, I am in shock of how much space I have and love I have in my life and flexibility. And now if my kids want to go eat donuts for breakfast, guess what? I don't care. I get to take them. My, my young or my oldest has to go to speech therapy. And my husband, sometimes I'm like, babe, I need you to take them to speech therapy today. And he'll say, oh, okay, well, I have this on the schedule and stuff. To be honest, I'm like, I really want to actually take them. I really don't want you to take them because I enjoy going. But yeah. it, it took a lot for me to get to that point where I, I let go of the acknowledgement I had at work and just got into the joy of being a mom. And so it, it was pretty special. So I, I don't want to cut you off because I know you, oh, no, your- you actually <laughs> answered my question because I was going to oh. say, where do you think was the biggest struggle during this transition? And the, oh. you just said it with the ego is, you know, having to put your ego aside because that's really huge for mm-hmm. all the women listening. And they might be wondering with all of the things that you have on your plate, Ashley, how the hell do you fit time in for self-care? Mm-hmm. And what do you okay, so- do for self-care? I actually think self-care is the most like overspoken and un- misunderstood topic in the world. Amen. So it, took me a, it took me a lot. Girl, we're going to do all these virtual high fives. People are going to be like, this needs to be video because you guys are high-fiving. Um, self-care. So I don't know if you know this, um, but about a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. And if you've never heard, yeah, I've never heard of adrenal fatigue. It's basically where you have 
ran your system so ragged that literally you have no cortisol, you have no adrenaline, you have none of those, you know, that little spike that gets you up in the morning and moves you out of bed or those little energy uh, jumps that happen throughout the day. I didn't have any of those. I was completely flatlined, like borderline hospitalized, just couldn't function for the first time in my life, experienced what it was like to physically be in pain, getting out of bed in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I had, and that's when a lot of the shifts happened. So at that point we had, let's see, Easton was about a year and a half old. So that's our youngest. And our oldest is 14 months older than that. So, um, just over two and a half. And we had basically just driven ourselves to a point. Our marriage was starting to get taxed. Our business was starting to get taxed. We had employee issues at the office that were internal, but that were causing massive problems. And we as a couple were so tapped, we couldn't address them in a way that they needed to be, Mm -hmm. to be honest. And so it was just taxing everything. And so um, I had to get really to a point where I could be healthy again. So I had basically taxed my system And I had to relearn how to take care of myself. And as ridiculous as that sounds, when you're doing all the things, which I've always been a person, this is what I can say. I've always been a person that could do all the things. I enjoy doing it. I thrive. If you ever taken the Enneagram test, I'm a three week two. So I'm a three, which is an achiever. I love doing, 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 accomplishing. It's very fulfilling for me. But at some point I ran myself ragged and I had to relearn how do I achieve in a way that's sustainable. And so this self-care thing that keeps coming up actually kind of drives me crazy because yes, we all do need to take care of ourselves. Absolutely. But the self-care people prescribe is for me kind of ridiculous. Like going in to get a mani-pedi, like that's not self-care. I, like no. that's not self-care. I, I'm showing my nails on this call right now and I always have my nails done. I'm like religious. I just enjoy having my my manicure pedicure, but I hate the process of it. I actually hate going to the nail salon. I hate sitting there for that long. It drives me crazy. So when people would say, "Go get a massage, go get your nails done, go do this, go have a glass of wine." That's all fine and good, but here is the trick. At the end of the day, you have to know, and ladies, like if you're listening and you're like, I try all these things and nothing works. I don't even feel relaxed. Here's the deal. Self-care is what serves you. And it's what removes you from the stress of your day-to-day life, allows you to breathe and come back recharged. So for me, getting my nails done actually irritates the shit out of me. So I come, I come back irritated. So I literally have to plan doing it like first thing in the morning where almost nobody's at the salon. I get in and out quick or I'm like, can you do my nails and my feet at the same time? So it takes less time. I do not have two and a half hours to sit here every three to four weeks. So I I have a system down for that. But when it comes to self-care, here's my self-care. I'm just going to tell you what I do to let you know everybody can do something very different for self. First of all, my self-care is built into my daily life. After having adrenal fatigue, I restructured and rewrote my whole fucking life to make sure that it was something that I actually liked. I didn't like having to come to the office every day. I didn't like having to have 20 appointments a week and no space for flexibility. I didn't like that when my kids got sick, it was a cluster to figure out how are, how are we going to be with these kids? Like we used to have to hire a, a babysitter or a nanny to come watch our sick kids if a kid got sick because we didn't have any flexibility. So the first thing I did was sit down and say, 
what do I love about my life and what do I not love about my life? And what incrementally can I do to make things better? And guess what? That was my first step in self-care. Second step was, okay, now that I'm redesigning my life I love, until I, you know, all the, the compound effect of all those incremental steps, until those all play out, because it takes time, okay? Yeah. And most people can't up and quit their life to make things what they want. But as I'm waiting for things to take time, what actually gives me a break? Mm-hmm. Fire pits. I oh, love, fire love, pit. love fire pits. I love sitting by fire pits. I love being in the woods. Oh, I love the woods is from bomb for my soul. <laughs> yes, yes. So, I mean, truly, I have a fire pit in my backyard uh, that my husband bought me for Mother's Day one year. It's just one of those portable propane ones. It's like literally nothing fancy. And when it's warm enough, I will sit out there and just soak in time in the fire pit. Look at the stars, just breathe. You know, I think people want want to attach self-care to all these things that cost money, but like literally it's that simple. And then we're lucky enough. We have uh, like a brew pub, like a British pub near us. And they have three massive outdoor fire pits. It's walking distance. So the other thing I'll do is I have a group of girlfriends, very close girlfriends that all of us are like very intimate in our friendship. We share like very personal things. We share all of our struggles and then we hug and we bullshit and all the things in between. We'll meet up at the fire pits at the local pub and we'll have wine and appetizers and we'll just laugh. Mm-hmm. And some nights it's not as funny. Some nights it's a little deeper and some nights it's just laugh. Like I need to get away from my kids, but that's kind of what we do. And then the other self-care thing I did was learning to let go. Mm. which for me has been really hard, but I feel really great about it now. I'm pretty good at letting go. And by letting go, what I mean is I like my house picked up all the time, but our kids' toys, we have them in like a shelf and organizer in our front room. We have like a living room and a family room in our house. Mm. So in the front living, that, that was kind of like half their playroom. Well, my husband and I have a three-bedroom house or a four-bedroom house, and we're like, well, we don't really need four bedrooms because now Easton wants to share a room with Brian. So we merged their rooms and we made one of the bedrooms a playroom. And guess what? Now at the end of the night, we just close the door. Yep. And then just like, I don't, I don't need to pick that up tonight. I can sit here and have a glass of wine and watch a movie with my husband, which believe it or not, that is super love languagey for me and my husband. He loves just being next to me. If I will hold his hand is everything to him and just breathing and being present with him is very powerful. So Ladies, self-care looks a lot different for everybody. And believe it or not, all the things that promote drinking wine as self-care, I'm going to be honest, when I was struggling to learn what self-care meant, I think it resulted in me drinking too much wine. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I think it took me down the train, the train, like down the track of, well, I'm going to go have a glass of wine to relax. Well, that's what everybody tells me to go have a glass of wine and relax. And I by no means had a problem drinking, but at the same time, it made me gain weight it made me tired, it made me sluggish, and it didn't really recharge me. But the fire pit nights with the drinks with my girlfriends super recharged me. I would come home, my husband's like, why are you so happy? And I'm like, I am so happy. I had so many good laughs. I literally BSed about everything 10 ways a Sunday. It was the best freaking night. And he'd be like, okay, I'm glad you're so happy. But truly, ladies, self-care is all about finding what fills you up, what actually recharges you. And that's the biggest thing, you know, and if you're struggling to find self-care, there's all these self-care quizzes and Pinterest and all this stuff, but just start, start actually asking yourself, how do I feel? Like, how do I feel when I go 
you know, to restaurants. How do I feel when I go get my nails done? How do I feel when I go get a massage? I actually do acupuncture a lot. I actually have given up massages. I don't really enjoy them that much, but I love acupuncture. So I go to acupuncture a couple times a month just for like muscle tightness and energy. So a lot of energy work, which is really, really good for me. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's my self-care soapbox sister. No, I, I, I agree. I'm like, amen over here. Like, absolutely. Because I feel like the self-care gurus are always preaching about something that I'm like, that's not self-care. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. It's what fills you up physically, mentally, and emotionally. Like if yeah. you hate running, that's not self-care. <laughs> and I no. say that because I hate running. Um, oh, yeah. And I've said this multiple times in the podcast, running makes me angry. After like a oh mile. Oh my God, I love you. I You're so angry. cute. <laughs> Raw. Why yeah. did I just run? Right. But if I do yoga, I feel calm and peaceful and wonderful. So like, yeah. it's different for everybody. I know people who love running and it's their thing. Oh my and gosh. I'm like, yes, that's your self-care, but it's not mine. So interesting enough about the yoga versus running thing. So I was a runner my whole life. I was a competitive runner when I was younger. My mom's a marathon runner. She's ran marathons my whole life. Um, running was my mom's drug. Like she didn't need alcohol. She didn't need any substances because anytime anything was wrong in her life, she would just literally go run it out. Not kidding. So that was always the thing. After I had kids, I got the worst freaking bladder and organ prolapse. Like for any of you moms out there that struggle with that, it is the most irritating thing in the world, especially if you're a runner. And so now I'm at a place where I'm supposed to be doing yoga and it's very hard for me. You don't like like yoga. So no, 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 no. I'm learning to like yoga Okay. because, and here's the deal. It's actually really powerful. It's taught me to slow my breathing Mm -hmm. and to stop and really be in my body. And during all these transitions, that was one of the biggest things. One of my girlfriends trying to get me to a week to go to a week long yoga retreat. And I'm like, I might shoot myself. Like, don't, sorry, bad joke, but seriously, like, I don't know if I can be still for that long. And she's like, no, trust me. There's plenty of, plenty of socializing, all this, but She's like, I just think it'd be incredible for you. And now as I'm getting into yoga and starting to really appreciate it, especially yin yoga, yin yoga like fills my soul. If I can just lay there on some pillows with some music (laughs) and have like weights on my stomach and weights on my feet, I am like in a really good place. Uh, But yoga, it's so powerful. So for all you people out there that like running and don't like yoga, if you're trying to bridge the gap to self-care, you might want to start with just some conscious breathing, like five minutes of conscious breathing. And that's just like slowly breathing in and out, focusing on your breath. Don't even do any moves and then go from there. Yeah. And meditation is good for that as well. I use yep. the Headspace, Headspace. app. Oh, yes. Headspace is my jam. I love <sighs> that. And I since my husband, so my husband moved up to Connecticut and we're moving up too. He's got orders there. Um, since uh-huh. he left, I've had to sleep by myself. So, oh, I've so had hard. A hard, yeah, I've had a hard time sleeping. So I do the nighttime meditation. Yes. <laughs> and, and before the dude has even done the meditation, I'm out. Like, <laughs> yes, I use it for the same thing. So my husband, sometimes it's not very often that I can't fall asleep, but when I can't fall asleep, I will turn it on. It's 10 minutes. It goes on and off turns itself off when it's done and it eases me into sleep. And believe it or not, that's freaking self-care because Lord sister, I need some sleep. I'm not a nice person. If I'm tired, I went on a date night the other, a couple weeks ago and I came home angry and Eric's like, babe, I'm sorry. It wasn't a great date night. I was like, no, it's the best date night. I'm just really mad because I'm really tired. And then I drank two glasses of wine and now I'm really tired and I just need to go to bed. And he's like, okay, I love you, babe. I'm like, I love you. Please just put me in my bed. 
<laughs> so tired. Oh my gosh. It, like, I, always, really... <laughs> I always yell at my husband like, you know I love my sleep. Don't bother me. Don't mess with my sleep. I'll yell at my like my kids yes. if they wake me up too early in the morning on a weekend. And I don't sleep in super late, okay? Like I'm talking about please yeah. don't wake me up before seven. Okay. Yeah. Cause seven to me is sleeping <laughs> in. And then I get yes, so angry if they wake me up at like six o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I need my sleep. <laughs> That's awesome. It so, is so hard. So we have not gotten to the fact that you built your own community. So mm-hmm. what inspired you to build this community? Because we don't only have, we have a limited amount of time left on the podcast. Yep. And maybe mommies are listening or women in general are listening. And they're yeah. like, you know what? I have not found my community either. I feel like I find all the places I don't belong and none the ones that I do belong. So I will say, yes, that's accurate for a lot of women. And we're very grateful. So Mompire, the goal of Mompire is truly to provide women an opportunity where they can bridge the gap between motherhood and business and not just do that, but actually find true sisterhood in the journey. And I just don't call it community. Like we are beyond community. We are sisterhood. So if you become present in our community and start developing relationships within our community, you are very quickly going to find some of the best friends you've ever found. So three and a half years ago, I started a Facebook group at 1145 at night because I was pissed off that I got kicked out of a mom's group, like a local mom's group in, <laughs> what did you uh, do? in our town. You gotta tell us what you did. I, so what I did, so they just didn't want business there. My law firm is in the town that I live in. Mm-hmm. And there was a local kids boutique having a sale, uh, 50% off their designer stuff. I shared the sale and I was like, hey guys, let's go support this local mom. Her boutique's having a sale, 50% off designer stuff. Like who would not want to know that? Like what mom does not love a deal? Okay. Right. And so uh, I posted that and they kicked me out and said, you know, we know you're an attorney and you have a business in town and you really want to be able to post about business and this and that. And we just don't allow that in our group. And it's because post about your business, you right. So what the back end? I know. So the back end was other people would ask legal questions and they would tag me and I would answer. And so there was enough business coming from me that they didn't like it. And look, I'm going to be honest. It hurt. It was extremely painful. Mm -hmm. That group, I got kicked out right between having my son. So I started mommy's hiring mommies a month before my second son was born, because it was that mom's group was my lifeline. Yeah. That was who I went to with breastfeeding questions and, you know, community questions and interacting. But at the end of the day, most of them were stay at home moms and I needed something where I could be every bit of me. Mm-hmm. So now I've really strategically built mommy Saturday mommy. So we, um, we started the group at 11, or I did 11:45 at night in the morning. I had 250 requests to join. Wow. So I knew there was something there. Like other moms needed to be able to do this. So we built it to where people could build community, but also have referrals. So at the end of the day, if you wanted to hire an attorney or hire a graphic designer or a web designer or a doula, whatever the case may be, you could go to your local trusted moms and ask them first. And you know, you'd be getting advice from women who are in the same stage as you. So that's how mommy's hiring mommy started out. It simply was the concept of mommy's hiring mommies. But now as we've grown, we just rebranded to mom hire because we are so much more than just this referral system So and the sisterhood. So now we have our online platform with our directory of mom-owned businesses. So we have a directory that you can literally search by city, by type of business. You can search for a specific business name. And we have mom-owned businesses all across the country that are part of it. We also have an executive business membership where if people own a business, if women own a business, they can actually get resources and support and have live monthly calls with me to help them grow their business and really take it to the next level. 
And then we have just a sisterhood membership where you don't have a business, but you just want to be part of the community and it's free. You can join for free and find out about our events and engage and all that. And my favorite part is the diversity of our membership because it was so important to me that everybody have a sense of belonging there. So we have uh, racial diversity, we've got um, lifestyle diversity. So we have LGBT, we have uh, pretty much everything across the board. And then we have uh, moms that don't have kids yet, as weird as that sounds, like women that are on their journey to motherhood, that have had infertility struggles or uh, maybe they never had kids and they end up being a stepmom. So we have moms of all different stages. We've got grandmas. So it's really fun. It's a really, truly a place where there's something for everybody. And at the same time, there's a lot of depth and that's really, really special. So we've worked really hard on our inclusiveness um, and making sure that everybody has a home. And when you come to our live events, it's really important. Um, you really have to expect that you're going to get hugged. Like, do not come and be like, hi, I'm going to shake your hand because somebody's going to like take your hand, put your hand down. They're going to like envelop you in a hug and you're going to be like, this is really, oh, this is really nice. You're going to go from awkward <laughs> to nice really quickly. Um, and it's just something we pride ourselves on. You know, we go out of our way and we're really excited because we had local groups across the country and for 2018, the entire year, I shut down the local groups, brought it into one national group on Facebook. We've now rebranded and we're getting ready to relaunch local groups towards the end of 2019. So in the interim, we have a ton of resources and opportunity for uh, moms and women. And it's just very exciting because I built this really around a need that I had and I never intended to make it into a business, but it organically grew into something that I had no choice but to make it into business and serve at a higher level. And I feel really honored that that was ever even an opportunity, to be honest. So I think that's what happens when you truly are just authentic with zero expectations where it's going to go. Like that's exactly what happened with this podcast as I started it. Cause I really just wanted to share women's stories and now it's grown and grown and grown and grown. <laughs> where so people awesome. are actually searching me out to have me help share their stories for the first time because they're like, I want to get this out there. I think it's going to serve people. And I know you're going to be the person to help me with that. And I had zero, like there was zero expectations of this podcast. I had no idea it would be going like three, three years, like almost three years later. It's like, that is incredible. Yeah. But it was kind of like your, like with, you know, mompire now is Uh that, you know, yours, it grew organically because you didn't have any expectations. You just really wanted a place where you could like be yourself you know, yes. show up as yourself and mm-hmm. not feel judged. And I, and I love the fact that it's so inclusive because I feel like so many times out there, everybody's so judgmental. <laughs> well, you know, and it's, it's kind of funny. So my husband and I are Christian, non-denominational, and a lot of people, when they get to know me personally, feel like, oh, well, why don't you include your faith more in Mompire, and, I, and this, is, this is my true belief, Mompire is my ministry. Mompire is what I do to serve women. It may be a business now, but at the end of the day, I believe it's my service. But I want Mompire to be a gateway for every mom to find a place of belonging. And there may be Christian undertones that I include, and I'm proud of that, but I will never outrightly make it a religious organization because I truly want inclusion. I truly want people to feel safe. I truly want people to feel connected. 
and there's no need to put labels or anything like that on it. We are a place of inclusion and opportunity for moms. And that is what we will always be. And that to me was very comforting when I made that decision. Yeah. I mean, cause honestly, so I'm not Christian people listening to the podcast know that. And so yeah. when I am invited to you, like I just saw in a military spouse group, they were talking about this, this military spouse event. And they were like, mm-hmm. you know, um, said something about the gospel. And I was like, okay, that's not for me, you know? And I don't even <laughs> yeah. know, like, I don't even know if they meant it like that, but I think a lot of times groups, it turns people off. It does turn people off. Yeah. Like there was yep. a wellness summit that I was, I, I took part in last year and every single speaker brought up church and God and their faith. And so by the end of the summit, I was just like, this, this was not for me. Like this was not oh. for me. Because like, so tough. yeah, it was so tough. And, um, I feel like if, if I don't have an issue if people want to bring their faith into something, like I have no yeah. issue if somebody wants it to be a Christian group, say yeah. it up front, right? Like if this is yeah. going to be for Christians, well, let me know. I will yep. be right out. But I do yeah. appreciate the fact that you said like, even though that's your faith, you're not like pushing it on other people. Nope. You're not, you are being so inclusive because you wanted when you wanted moms, you wanted moms yep. to be part of your group and moms come in all shapes and sizes and beliefs and personalities. And oh yeah. Sexual oh, yeah. orientations like comes in all, all of them. Some of, some of my best friends, best friends that I've made in Mompire are lesbian moms or moms that have had fertility struggles or moms that never had kids, but are stepmoms. So I'm telling you the diversity is so important. And each person has brought such a level of value to my life that I can't even explain. Like I could never thank them enough for what they have done for me personally. And I would not have known them, but for Mompire. So people and, need to check out Mompire. That's where yeah, we're in going. fact, my, like my greatest win is that I, there's a woman in Mompire that said that I saved her life and I used to laugh it off until I got to know her more and she said it enough times that I knew she was authentic mm-hmm. and that she was in such a dark place when she found it. In fact, she texted me today and was like, can I get a mommy's hair and mommy's hat or something that has like mommy's hairy mommy's on it because we're rebranding. And yeah. she's like, there's such an emotional attachment I'll always have to that brand that I would love like a, a sentimental thing to carry with me going forward. And I was like, we'll, f- we'll find something for you. But, um, you know, it's, it's amazing what sisterhood can do for you. Yes, I agree. I agree. So as we wrap up the podcast today, what is something or a collection of things that you would like to leave the inspired women audience with? I think at the end of the day, if you want to be inspired, you need to inspire yourself. And by that, I mean, if the life and uh, what you're doing around you, your lifestyle and how you're living is not inspiring you, you need to start asking yourself, how does this make me feel and start shifting your life uh, to include more things that make you feel excited or make you come alive, make you dance. Don't be afraid of what people think. I have two friends come to mind, one friend that literally sold her entire life and uh, faced a ton of like judgment and hate and people, tons of so much judgment. People think she was crazy and they sold their life basically and moved into a smaller house in this tiny little community. 
quit working for a year and a half and now they're happier than they've ever been. And then another friend that her and her husband sold their entire life, they moved to um, Costa Rica for six months and just like literally lived off the land. They had money, so they had like a place to live in and then just real basic stuff. And they just got back to the basics of what it meant to live. And now they're back and they're both working. Both women are working again. Their families are working again, but they really took the time and space. So if you're not living inspired right now, it may be that your life is not inspiring you. So find things that literally make you come alive. And if you don't, you know, maybe you have the opportunity to shut down your life, move somewhere cheap for six months. Seriously, Costa Rica is not expensive. (laughs) Move somewhere and uh, find some space to start living and feeling and getting excited again. And believe it or not, your inspiration will absolutely come back to you and you don't have to worry what other people think. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.